We have come to verse 16 in our study of Galatians, and we're in chapter 5. There is a war that every believer is engaged in all of his life. Every day, all of his life, and the war doesn't stop when you are enlisted in that army. You are fighting that battle every day, every minute of the day, until at last you lay your arms down in death and go to heaven. That war is between the Spirit of God and the flesh of man. Paul is dealing with a situation that has occurred regarding the Galatian church in which the Judaizers have come in and have sought to make the Galatians, to bewitch the Galatians, that's the word Paul uses, they've been bewitched into thinking that they have to uh, do certain things, behave in a certain way, uh, follow certain rituals, number one, in order to be qualified to be saved and then to be saved and then to keep doing those things in order to maintain salvation. In the history of Christendom, it is sad to note that those who have sought in some way solace in Christ have been bewitched in the same thing because even today in churches, people are led to believe that you have to be qualified in some way by your behavior, by your actions, by your works, by your deeds in order to be saved. And then you have to maintain that qualification throughout your life. Churches preaching another gospel will will seek to rob really the freedom of a believer and impose upon him all of these other things. They are works of the flesh which can never save us. We hear this a lot whenever we sit under preaching and teaching it throughout our lives, the flesh, the flesh, the world, the flesh, the devil, the flesh, the spirit, the flesh, the spirit. God has created man, it's very evident in the scriptures, God has created man with three parts that are essential to his existence. That first one was formed out of the dust of the ground, that is the flesh, that's the body. And then God infuses his spirit, which gives us life. And when those two are joined together, a third element is created, which is the soul of man, the psyche of a man. It is the spirit of the man, which is the God consciousness, that is, that is the, the overlord of our fallen condition. That spirit, because of the human condition in Adam, is fallen. In its fallen state, it's dead. So the, the apostle in another letter would say that we are dead in trespass. And sin, if we are unsaved, 
unconverted, if we do not believe, we are dead. Therefore, we have no spiritual life. We cannot understand the Bible. The Bible could never be applied to us because the Bible spiritually applies itself to a regenerated spirit, a born-again spirit. If a person is spiritually dead and not spiritually alive, if he's never been born again, then he has no, he has no idea of what the Bible is teaching or saying. It's meaningless to him. It's always been that way. It's that way uh, today. Nor can, nor can we really have any engagement with God at all because we're spiritually dead. That is a spiritual engagement. So we are, we are imprisoned as, a, as an unsaved person and as a saved person. We are imprisoned in what the Bible calls the flesh. Two Greek words used. One is soma, and that word means the physical body of a human being, soma. That's not the word that's used when speaking of the war between the spirit of God and the flesh of man. The Greek word is sarx or sarkos. Here it's uh, hesarx, the flesh. It always refers to the fallen condition of man. Sometimes called the original sin. What our original parents engaged in, which is the fall, and they became sinners, is something that irrevocably and unalterably is past. It spoiled the whole human race. So when we're born, we're born in Adam. And we're living life, if we're living apart from Christ, we're living life in the flesh. That is, in our fallen state, in the original condition of, of sin. In John chapter 3, Jesus and Nicodemus had their, uh, their conversation. Nicodemus flattered Jesus, telling him that no man could do what he did unless he was from God. And Jesus made two remarkable statements to Nicodemus. Number one, he said, you must be born again. Nicodemus didn't understand and he had some kind of crazy response about, do you mean I'm going to have to crawl back into my mother's womb and, and be reborn? No, no. Then Jesus goes on and says, if a man is not born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. That's the first remarkable statement. What that means is if you're not born again, you have no concept of the, of the kingdom of God. You can't see, you can't perceive it. It means nothing to you. In an unsaved state, if a believer speaks to an unbeliever about the kingdom of God, the unbeliever just gets all confused. <laughs> it's a silly thing, can't, you know, can't think about it. Jesus continues with Nicodemus. And he says, that which is born of the flesh 
is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Then he makes the second remarkable statement. He says, except or unless a man is born again, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. The ultimate goal of redeemed people in every age from the first of man to the last ones of us, whenever and however that may be, is to have part in the kingdom of God, to be a citizen. Jesus said, won't happen. Number one, you can't even perceive that if you're, if you're not born again. Number two, you won't enter it unless you're born again. All right, so that's the, that's the foundation of what we read here. Now, Paul is dealing with, with these Galatians who are confused and bewitched because they're beginning to float away from the freedom that they have in Christ. And they're beginning to think that maybe they need to impose these rituals of Judaism. Among them were circumcision. They needed to impose these uh, rituals of Judaism upon themselves because apparently the question is, well, I want to I be in the kingdom. I want to do the will of God. How can I do the will of God unless I, unless I do something? Unless I, unless I work in my own way. So Paul is dealing with this and he delineates the flesh and the spirit. This is an extraordinarily important lesson for believers. Every lesson in the New Testament is. But this is something that we have to deal with daily as believers in Christ. So let's look at the scriptures and consider today what I just simply call the flesh. Now I say, now he just talked about freedom in Christ. We covered that last time. He talked about how freedom in Christ is ours. We're free from all that stuff because of the born again, the spirit in us and, and Christ in us. Now I say, walk by the spirit. Peripatite. That's an imperative. It's in the present tense in the original text as Paul wrote it. And being in the present, it's also in the active. So it's a present imperative active. Let me tell you why that's important. It implies resistance. In the present, it means it has to go on and on. It's a daily, hourly, minute by minute thing that we, do, that we deal with, we struggle with. So the imperative is walk by the Spirit. Because in this life, while your Spirit is redeemed and while you've been born again, Until you die and put this body away and finally are glorified in the resurrection. In this present life, you are walking around with a spirit of life, but a body of death. And that body makes demands 
constantly. And we're going to see how they're defined here in just a minute. Some of the things that we face. Imperative. Walk. In the present tense. Keep on walking all the time. Minute by minute. Day by day. Hour by hour. All of your life. Walk. You'll be resisted. Keep walking. Things are going to try to make you stumble. Keep walking. Keep walking. Keep walking. By the Spirit. So the spirit is a restrainer in our lives. Let's look at the next phrase. Now I say walk by the spirit and you should not gratify the desire of the flesh. This is the war. These old unredeemed bodies that are hanging on are bodies of death. That's what Paul calls them in Romans. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Paul says, the things that I want to do, I'm not doing those things. And the things that I don't want to do, I'm doing those things. Who will deliver me from this body of death? So this, this incarceration that we have continues for all of our lives. Thus the struggle, the flesh, the desires of the flesh. Walk by the Spirit and you shouldn't gratify the desire of the flesh. Born again, we now have deposited within our lives by the grace of God... The Spirit of God who empowers us spiritually. The Spirit of God who teaches us. The Spirit of God who enlivens the Word for us and, and opens the Word of God for us and makes us to see and understand and instructs us in the Word of God. And so we're connected now to the Word of God as being alive in the Spirit, born again. We're still struggling with the desire of the flesh. The law has no power to help me. Here's what that means. Okay. There are some religions, you know, you got to get up. You got you to pray toward a certain direction three times a day or five times or whatever. You have to do ceremonial cleansings. You have to do certain rituals at certain times of the day or year or whatever. By the time you reach a certain age in life, you're supposed to do something that's a ritual. And it's supposed to, it, is, it is supposed to be pertinent to your salvation or the continuation of your salvation. That's a bondage. It has no power to restrain the flesh. None at all. Our flesh <laughs> has no power. To restrain the flesh. When we consider the world. And we consider those. Who would blaspheme. God and his Christ. And despise his word. And reject his way. And we see. We see the, the fruition of, of their lives. We see what comes out in their lives. What is it? Well it's. 
It's, it's murders and robberies and thieveries and, and rapes and revelries and carousing. All kind of bad things come out in their lives because they don't have the spirit. There is no depth that is too low for the flesh to descend into in our fallen state. The Almighty considered the pre-flood generation. He sighed a sigh of grief. And he said, every imagination and thought of man is only to do evil continually. And people kept thinking of baser and baser and worse and worse things to do. I could give you a list. I'm 69 years old. I could give you a list of things that have become cultural in the last 10 years that I would have never dreamed of 10 years. The world I lived in wouldn't have dreamed of it, I don't think, maybe, probably. Because no restraint continues to produce horrible results. I'm reading on a daily basis in various journals and newspapers that there is a strong push. I don't know if it's just in our nation or in the world, a strong push to make pedophilia a sexual orientation. How, could, where, how do you come up with this stuff? It gets worse, and that's the flesh, okay? Unrestrained, the flesh demands gratification. And unsaved, a person has no resistance because that's the state into which he was born, the fallen state of man, of Adam. Evil continually, and it spirals downward. And if God gives us another year, there'll probably be strange and weird things that will come up next year that we could have never thought of this year. The Galatians are saying, man, I got to do these rituals. I got to do this and do that and do that. No, it will never help you deal with the problem of the flesh. That's not how you defeat the flesh. You don't go out here and, and pray five times toward some part of the world. And, and you don't do this many things during, during the day. You don't, it's not going to restrain your flesh. Such people are still unrestrained and have within them the possibilities of doing anything, anything. So here's what he says to the Galatians. You're not going to be made any better. It's not going to help you at all. The law has no power. The flesh has no power. The flesh is collapsed and fallen. Here's your only hope. Walk by the spirit. Every believer has that. Born again. 
born again, the Spirit of God deposited in our lives, becomes our teacher, our guide, our instructor, our convictor. The restrainer of evil in our lives. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. There's the war. And the spirit against the flesh. For these are opposed to one another. They resist one another. In order that you should not do those things that you might desire. Or whatever pleases you. Whatever would please your flesh. The pleasures of the flesh, you see, the, the pleasures of the fallen condition, unrestrained, become dishonorable in every way. They, they dishonor you, they dishonor God, they dishonor your society, they dishonor the very world in which you live and will necessarily create your destruction and the destruction of the culture in which you live if it goes unrestrained, opposed to one another. The restraining of the Holy Spirit is there so that you wouldn't do those things that would otherwise be pleasurable to your flesh, to your fallen condition. Oh man, I want to do that. Well, that's your, if it's, if it's, if there's, if it opposes the word of God, it comes from your flesh and you you want to f not ever be restrained from doing the things that please you, you're in a bad state. Christians don't do this. Every day we're in a war. Every day, everything, every, everything. What you look at, what you hear, what you see, where you go, what you read, the people with whom you come in contact, the things you say, the things that you listen to other people say, what you might be watching on television or what you might be seeing on the internet, whatever. It's a fallen world. The born again person, the Christian, is commanded to walk by the Spirit, present tense all the time, minute by minute. Don't ever lose sight of who you are. However, if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. The law has no power. This comes out in the Pharisees in the, times of, in the time of Jesus. They claimed not only to, obey, to be obedient to the law, but they claimed to be obedient beyond the law. They created all kinds of rules and regulations to which to them in which to them defined the law, especially the law of the Sabbath. And they were super convinced that they were better than anybody and yet Christ called them the worst of the bunch. They had no restraint, you see. The law has no power. The spirit in our lives, that's where we are empowered that's how we can walk as Christians. That's how we can be enlightened to the will of God. That's how we can be taught the word of God, guided 
into obedience by the spirit in us. And he is there to restrain this evil. Now we all deal with this. I want to do this. I want to, I want to, I want to go in this direction, whatever. But if we daily walk, this is the command. Then you won't be, you won't be such that you would give in to the gratification of the desires of the flesh. The flesh. The things that are declared to be sinful in the word of God. Now, now the works of the flesh are evident. We don't, we don't, we don't have to have somebody to explain this to us. There are four categories here that Paul gives. The first is how we can sin against ourselves and then it moves out from there. Now the word for sexual immorality is, is the word porneia. Get our word pornography from that word, porneia. Sexual immorality. It encompasses every sexual vice. Everything that the Bible defines as immoral sexually is in that word. It's, uh, it's sexual activity outside of marriage. It's, it's fornication. It's adultery. It's homosexuality. It's bestiality. It's everything. It's pedophilia. It's everything. Incest. It's everything. Those things are defined actually in the book of Leviticus. It starts there. So I, he puts that first. I don't know why the Lord puts that first. Which are, so I guess this is the great, this is the great passionate desires starts with the most basic of desire, sexual immorality. That gives way to impurity or uncleanness, which gives way. And the word there, asagya, asagya means to restrain and the alpha the, the, the alpha prefix negates it. So what it means is without restraint. Sexual immorality, impurity, and no restraint. Just whatever. We see it on TV all the time. People crawl in bed with each other. And, and there are a lot of times that even Christians will say, I just can't wait until they get together. And finally, the, act, the actress and the actor, whoever, the, it's just awful. It's, the, it's that we see it all the time. It's like it's nothing. And it's just, I'm in pursuit of this. And this is what I pursue. Well, that's where it comes out in sensuality or without restraint. So that's the first category. The second category then leads a person to rebel openly against God in that that person would create things in his or her life that are in place of God called idolatry. Then in order to escape any, any sensitivity of guilt, the next word in the Greek word, the Greek word is pharmakeia. We get our word pharmacy from that, pharmaceutical. It means, it means the medium of drugs 
to enhance and produce a sense of magic or sorcery. People fry their brains on drugs. They, they go into another world. They live in another consciousness or something. Which gives way to the third category. Hatreds. Strife. Jealousy. Outbursts of anger. Contentions. Dissensions. Factions. Envyings. I don't really have to go to the Greek for us to understand those things. We turn on ourselves, then we turn on God, and then we turn on everybody around us. And finally, in surrendering it all, we turn on the society and culture in which we live. Drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. The word here is uh, komoi, carousings. It literally means, it literally means in, in the classic Greek sense, it means to engage in, in a lifestyle of partying, drunkenness and so forth with a view to unrestrained sexual activity. Drunkenness, orgies, I guess you could call it wild partying. I don't know. I, I don't know. And things like these. Let's go back up to the first line. Now the works of the flesh are evident. This is how the flesh works. This is the job of the flesh. This is the job of the unfallen state. To defy the God who created us because of original sin, which has been passed to us all, unless by the grace of God we are born again. Unless by the grace of God we are born again. This is life to the unrestrained flesh. Paul says, as to which I forewarn you, even as I warned you before, that those doing such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Wow, that is about as powerful as it can be. Listen to this, the word doing. It's, uh, there it is. Prasontes. It's a participle, but it too is in the present and in the active. So if it's in the present, it is the exact opposite of what we said about walking. Walking in the spirit is a thing that is constant, minute by minute. Remember, it was in the present, present tense, just like this. But here's the other, here's the other end of that spectrum. They just, in the present tense it means, and in the active it means that they just keep doing it. This is, nothing stops me. I don't even feel bad. I just keep going. May I say that we're sinners saved by grace, those of us who are in Christ. And yes, we will stumble. 
But we are not doing. We are not in the present tense. We don't live to stay there. This is not a pattern of life for us. We come under great conviction and sorrow. And we confess in repentance. We ask for forgiveness. Well, that's a sign of the spirit in your heart and in your life. But then there are those others who just live like that all the time. All the time. There's no, listen. You don't order your steps. It is not a present active activity and behavior. These things and others like them. For a born again believer, the spirit will not allow it. He's the restrainer. So those who are just living like that, this is where they are, what they do. Those who live like that will not inherit the kingdom of God. Jesus said that which is born of the flesh, it's flesh. But that which is born of the spirit Spirit. Unless you're born again, you cannot perceive the kingdom of God. You can't see it. You don't understand it. It's not there. You just don't understand it. Not only that, but unless you're born again, you will not enter the kingdom of God. Now that was the precursor to what Paul, by the Holy Spirit, teaches us here. In the flesh or in the spirit? Those who are born again, struggling though it may be, are walking in the spirit, experiencing the resistance, facing temptations. God help us when we trip and stumble and fall, but get us back up. We don't stay there. That's not life to us. Walking by the Spirit. This is life. Now when that happens, it produces fruit. There are things that are evident in our lives that make it apparent that we are born again. We'll talk about that, God willing, next time. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Today, if you came here without Christ... And God, the Holy Spirit, has made you to realize that you need to be saved. We have people here to pray with you and talk to you about that. Maybe you're here and you came here with Christ in your heart, but you've never really been obedient to baptism and you want to follow the Lord in baptism and be baptized. We have people here to pray with you and talk to you about that. Finally, maybe you've been saved and even baptized, but you are not part of a local church and you want to be part of this local church. We have people here ready to speak to you and pray with you about that. On your way out, as you exit this sanctuary, you'll see two rooms where deacons and their wives are standing in the doorway waiting to speak to you about any of that. Our prayer is that you would 
let the Lord lead you into that and that God would save you today in Christ, that you'd follow the Lord in obedience to all of his commands and that you would even become a part of our, our, our family. So as God leads you, just think about that. We have those people waiting at the doorway in those rooms as you exit. Father God in heaven, thank you for your word. Lord, this life is a struggle. We deal with strong temptations. We are so thankful that you have deposited your Holy Spirit in our lives who gives us strength and guidance and restrains that evil, those evil desires that are in us. Help us to be mindful of the command that is given to us here in this text to walk by the Spirit all the time, every day. Father, I'm thankful for everyone, everyone who came today. I'm very thankful for those who have joined us by live stream and internet. And I pray that you'll strengthen us in these strange times. Father, I pray that you'll keep us from harm and from sickness and from plagues that seem to be sweeping society. That you would lift the spirit of fear out of our hearts. That you would guide, guide us in the way that pleases you. And I pray for those of our congregation who might be sick, those who are bereaved over the loss of loved ones. I pray that you'll give them a very special presence of your Holy Spirit as only you can do. And Lord, as, as we're dismissed here from this place, that we're dismissed in your love and that we're thankful that we were able to come into the house of the Lord today. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you. You're dismissed.